everybody and welcome back to another episode of reading Harry Potter with an 11 year old. Today we are going to be reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone chapter 11 Quidditch. Now this podcast is intended for all ages whether it be one year old, two year old, three year old or a hundred years old because no matter who you are you listen you deserve to listen to some Harry Potter. Um this is one of my favourite chapters in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So I really hope you guys enjoy it too. But without further ado, let's get started. Okay, I'm going to try and use voices from now on to add a little bit of depth to the characters. Um, except for Hagrid's because I suck at that. Chapter 11. Quidditch. As they entered November, the weather turned very cold. The mountains around the school became icy grey, and the lake like chilled steel. Every morning, the ground was covered in frost. Hagrid could be seen from the upstairs window, defrosting broomsticks on the Quidditch pitch, bundled up in a long moleskin overcoat, rabbit fur gloves, and an enormous beaver skin boot. The Quidditch season had begun. On Saturday, Harry would be playing his first match after weeks of training. Gryffindor versus Slytherin. If Gryffindor won, they would move into second place in the house championship. Hardly anyone had seen Harry play, because Wood had decided that, as their secret weapon, Harry should be kept, well, secret. But the news that he was playing, Seeker, had somehow leaked out, and Harry didn't know which was worse. People telling him he'd be brilliant, or people telling him they'd be running underneath him holding a mattress. It was really lucky now that Harry had now had Hermione as a friend. He didn't know how he'd have got through all of his homework without her. What? With all the last-minute Quidditch practice Wood was making them do, She'd also let them, lent him Quidditch Through the Ages, which had turned out to be a very interesting read. Harry had learnt that there were 700 ways of committing a Quidditch foul, and that all of them had happened during a World Cup match in, 1740, no, no, in 1473, that seekers were usually the smallest and fastest players and that the most serious Quidditch accidents seemed to happen to them. Although, people rarely died playing Quidditch. Um, Although, people rarely died playing Quidditch. Referees had been known to vanish and turn up months later in the Sahara Desert. Oh, sorry. Um, Hermione had been a bit more relaxed about breaking the rules since Harry and Ron had saved her from the mountain troll, and she was much nicer for it, too. The Quidditch, the day before Harry's first Quidditch match, the three of them were out in the freezing courtyard during break, and which he had conjured them up a bright blue fire which could be carried around in a jam jar. They were all standing up, were standing with their backs to it, getting warm, when Snape crossed the yard. Harry noticed at once um, that Snape was limping. Ron, Harry, and Hermione had moved closer to block the fire from view. Uh, They were sure it wouldn't be allowed. 
Unfortunately, something about their guilty faces caught Snape's eyes. He limped over. He hadn't seen the fire, but he seemed to be looking for a reason to tell them off anyway. What's that you've got there, Potter? Oh, sorry. What's that you've got there, Potter? It was Quidditch through the ages. Harry showed him. Library books are not to be taken outside the school, said Snape. Give it to me. Five points from Gryffindor. He just made that rule up, said Harry muttered angrily as Snape limped away. Wonder what's wrong with his leg. Don't know, but I really hope it's hurting him, said Ron bitterly. The Gryffindor common room was very noisy that night. Harry, Ron and Hermione sat together next to the window, to next to a window. Hermione was checking Harry, Harry and Ron's charms homework for them. She would never let them copy. How will you learn? But by asking her to read it through, they got the right answers anyway. Harry felt restless. He wanted Quidditch through the ages to take his mind off his nerves about tomorrow. But um, why should he be afraid of Snape? Getting up, he told Ron and Hermione he was going to ask Snape if he could have it. Rather you, the, rather you than me, they said together. But Harry had an idea that Snape wouldn't refuse if the other teachers were listening. He made his way down at the staff room and knocked. There was no answer. He knocked again. Nothing. Perhaps Snape had left the book in there? It was worth a try. He pushed the door ajar and peered inside. A horrible scene met his eyes. Snape and Filch were inside alone. Snape was holding his robes above his knees. One of his legs was bloodied and mangled. Filch was handing Snape bandages. Blasted thing, Snape was saying. How are you supposed to keep your eyes on all three heads at once? Harry tried to shut the door quietly, but Potter? Snape's face was twisted with fury as he dropped his robes quickly to hide his leg. Harry gulped. I was just wondering if I could have my book back. Get out! Out! Harry left before Snape could take any more points from Gryffindor. He sprinted back upstairs. Did you get it? Ron asked Harry as he joined them. What's the matter? In a low whisper, Harry told them what he'd seen. You know what this means, he finished breathlessly. He tried to get past that three-headed dog at Halloween. That's where he was going when we saw him. He's after whatever it's guarding. I'd bet my broomstick he let that troll in to create a diversion. No, he wouldn't. I know he's not very nice, but he wouldn't try to steal something from Dumbledore was keeping safe. Honestly, Hermione, you think all teachers are saints or something, snapped Ron. I'm with Harry. I wouldn't put anything past Snape. But what's he after? What's that dog guarding? Harry went to bed, his, he um, his head buzzing with the same question. Neville was snoring loudly, but Harry couldn't sleep. He tried to empty his mind. He needed to sleep. He had to. His first Quidditch match in a few hours. But the expression on Snape's face when Harry had seen his leg wasn't an easy expression to forget. The next morning dawned, very bright and cold. The great hall was full of delicious, the delicious smell of fried sausages 
and the cheerful chatter of everyone looking forward towards a good Quidditch match. You've got to eat some breakfast. I don't want anything. Just a little bit of toast, said Hermione. I'm not hungry. Harry felt terrible. In an hour's time, he'd be walking onto the pitch. Harry, you need your strength, said Seamus Finnegan. Seekers are always the ones who get nobbled by the other team. Thanks, Seamus, said Harry. Watching Seamus pile ketchup on the sausages. By eleven o'clock, the whole school seemed to be out in the stands, around the Quidditch pitch. Many had binoculars. The seats might be raised high in the air, but it was still difficult to see what was going on sometimes. Harry and Hermione joined Neville, Seamus and Dean, the West Ham fan, and Dean, the West Ham fan, up in the top row. As a surprise for Harry, they had scribbled a large banner on one of the sheets Scavers had ruined. It said, Potter for President, and Dean, who was good at drawing, had done a large Gryffindor lying un underneath. Then Hermione had performed a tricky charm so that the paint flashed different colours. Meanwhile, in the changing rooms, Harry and the rest of the team were changing into their scarlet Quidditch robes. Slytherin would be playing in green. Wood cleared his throat for silence. Okay, men, he said. Uh, and women, said Chaser Angelina Johnson. And women, Wood agreed. This is it. The big one, said Fred Weasley. The one we've all been waiting for, said George. We know all of his speech by heart, Fred told Harry. We were in the team last year. Shut up, you two, said Wood. This is the best Gryffindor team. This is the best team Gryffindor's had in years. We're going to win. I know it. He glared at them as if to say, or else. Right. It's time. Good luck, all of you. Harry followed Fred and George out of his out of the changing room and, hoping his knees weren't going to give way, walked into the Quidditch pitch. To loud cheers. Madame Hooch was refereeing. She stood in the middle of the pitch, waiting for the two teams, broom in her hand. Now, I want a nice, fair game, all of you, she said. But once they were gathered around her, Harry noticed that she seemed to be speaking particularly to the Slytherin captain, Marcus Flint, a fifth year. Harry thought... Harry thought Flint looked as if some troll, if he had some troll blood in him. Out of the um, out of the corner of his eye, he saw the fluttering the fluttering banner high above, flashing Potter for president over the crowd. His heart skipped. He felt braver, braver. Mount Chipperums, please. Harry clambered onto his Nimbus two thousand. Madame Hooch gave a loud blast on a whistle. Fifteen brooms rose up high, high into the air, and they were off. And the quaffle is taken immediately by Angelina Johnson of Gryffindor. What an excellent chaser that girl is, and rather attractive too. Jordan! Sorry, Professor. The Weasley, the Weasley twin friends, Lee Jordan, was doing the commentary for the match. Closely watched by Professor McGonagall. And she's belting up along there a neat pass to Alicia Spinnett. A good, a good find of Oliver Wood last year. Only reserve. Back to Johnson. And no, Slytherin have taken the quaffle. Slytherin captain Marcus Flint gains the quaffle, and off he goes. Flint flying like an eagle up there. He's going to sk no stopped by an excellent move by Gryffindor keeper Wood, and Gryffindor take the quaffle. 
That's Chaser Katie Bell of Gryffindor there. Nice dive around Flint, off up the field, and ouch, that must have hurt. Hit on the back of the head by a bludger. Quaffle taken by Slytherin. That's that's Adrian Pusey um, speeding off towards the goalpost, but he's blocked by a second bludger. Sent his way by Fred or George Weasley, can't tell which. Nice play by the Gryffindor beater anyway. And that's Johnson back into possession of the Quaffle. A clear flying... A, a, blah, blah, blah. And that's, uh, and Johnson back in possession of the Quaffle, a clear field ahead, and off she goes. She's really flying, dodges speeding bludger. The goalposts are ahead. Come on now, Angelina. Uh, um, Keeper, Bletchley dives, misses. Gryffindor score! Gryffindor chilled, cheers filled the cold air with howls and moans along from the Slytherins. Budge up there, move along. Hagrid! Ron and Hermione had, um, had, Ron and Hermione had, had squeezed together to give, um, Hagrid enough room, enough space to join them. Been watching out for me hut, said Hagrid, patting a large pair of binoculars round his neck. But it isn't the same as being in the crowd. Any sign of the stitch yet, eh? Um, no, sorry. Um, no sign of the snitch yet, eh? Nope said Ron. Harry hasn't much hadn't had much to do yet. Kept out of trouble though, that's something, said Hagrid, raising his monoculars and peering skywards. At the speck there was Harry. Way up above the game. So that's the end of the chapter. The next episode is on oh, the next chapter is called Chapter Twelve The Mirror of Erisid. Um, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to check out my other episodes and share this um, podcast with your friends and family if they enjoy reading Harry Potter. Um, I hope you guys have a great day from wherever you're listening to this too. And I will see you guys when I make my next episode. Bye. Harry was gliding over the game, squinting for some sign of the snitch. <clears throat> um, this was part of his and Wood's game plan. Keep out of the way until you catch sight of the snitch, Wood had said. We don't want you attacked before you have to be. When Angelina had scored, Harry, Harry had done a couple of loop-the-loops and let out his feelings. Now he was back to staring around for the snitch. He had caught sight of a flash of gold, but it was just a reflection from one of the Weasley's wristwatches. And once a bludger decided to come pelting his way, more like a cannonball than anything. Wait, yeah. But Harry had dodged it, and Fred, we and Fred Weasley had come chasing after it. All right there, Harry. He had he had time to yell, as he Lily. All right there, Harry. He had time to yell as he beat the bludger furiously towards Margus Flint. Slither in possession, Lee Jordan was saying. Um Chaser Pusey ducks two bludgers, two Weasleys and um two Weasleys and Chaser Bell speed up towards Wait a minute Wait a moment Was that the snitch? A murmur ran through the crowd as Adrian as Adrian Pusey dropped the quaffle, too busy looking over his shoulder at the flash of gold that had passed his left ear. Harry saw it. In a great rush of excitement, he dived downwards to the streak of gold. Slytherin's seeker, Terence Higgs, had seen it too. 
neck and neck. They hurtled towards the snitch, and all the chasers had seemed to have forgotten what they were supposed to be doing, as they hung in mid-air to watch. Harry was faster than Higgs. He could see the round little ball, the wings flirt, fluttering up ahead, dart, darting up ahead. He put an extra spurt of speed. Wham! A roar of rage echoed from the Gryffindors below. Marcus Flint had blocked Harry on purpose, and Harry's broom spun off course, Harry holding on for dear life. Foul! screamed the Gryffindors. Madame Hooch spoke angrily at Flint, then ordered a free shot at the goalpost for Gryffindor. But in all the confusion, um, of course, the golden snitch had disappeared from sight again. Down in the stands, Dean Thomas was selling, Send him off, ref! Red card! You, this isn't football, Dean, Ron reminded him. You can't send people off in Quidditch. And what's a red card? But Hagrid was on Dean's side. They ought to change the rules. Flint could have knocked Harry out of the air. Lee Jordan was finding it difficult not to take side, sides. So, after that obvious and disgusting bit of cheating, Jordan! Growled Professor McGonagall. I mean, after that open and revolting foul, Jordan, I am warning you. All right, all right. Flint nearly kills a Gryffindor seeker, which could happen to anyone, I'm sure. So, penalty to Gryffindor. Taken by a spinner who puts it away, no trouble, and we continue to play. Gryffindor still in possession. Harry was, Harry was as it, it was as Harry dodged another bludger, which went spinning dangerously past his head. That it happened. His broom gave a sudden frightening lurch. Lurch. Fall for a split second. No, for a split second, he thought he was going to fall. He gripped his broom tightly with both of his hands and knees. He'd, he'd never felt anything like that. It happened again. It happened again. It was as though the Nimbus was trying to buck him off. But Nimbus 2000s did not suddenly ride their ri buck their riders off. Harry had, tri had tried to turn back towards the Gryffindor goalposts. He had a half mind to ask Wood to call a time out. Then he suddenly realised that his broom was completely out of control. Um, he couldn't turn it. He couldn't direct it at all. It was zigzagging through the air every now and then. Um, making violent swishing movements, which almost unseated him. Lee was still commentating. Slytherin in possession. Flint, Flint with the quaffle. Passes to spin it. Um, passes Bell. Hits card in the face by a bludger. Hope it broke his nose. Only joking, Professor. Slytherin scores! Oh, no. The Slytherins were cheering. No one seemed to have noticed that Harry's broom was behaving strangely. It carried him high, slowly higher, away from the game, jerking and twitching as it went. Don't know what Harry thinks he's doing, Hagrid bumbled. He stared through his binoculars. Uh, if I didn't know better, I'd say he lost control of his broom. But he can't have. Suddenly, people were pointing up at Harry all over the stands. His broom had started to roll over and over, with him only just managing to hang it on. Hang on. The whole crowd gasped. Harry's broom had given a wild jerk, and Harry had swung off it. He was now dangling from it with one with on it with only one hand. Did something happen to it when Flint blocked him? Seamus whispered. Can't have said Hagrid, his voice shaking. Nothing can interview with a broomstick except powerful dark magic. 
No kid could do that to a Nimbus 2000. At these words, Hermione seized Hagrid's binoculars, but instead of looking up at Hagrid, uh, instead of looking up at Harry, she started frantically at the clap at the. She started looking frantically at the crowd. Well, what are you doing? Moaned Ron, grey-faced. I knew it. Hermione gasped. Snape, look. Ron grabbed the binoculars. Snape was in the middle of the stands opposite them. He had his eyes fixed on Harry and was muttering non-stop under his breath. He's doing something. Jinxing the broom, said Hermione. What should we do? Leave it to me. Before Ron could say another word, Hermione had disappeared. Ron turned the binoculars back on Harry. His broom was, all, was vibrating so hard it was almost impossible for him to hang on much longer. The, the whole crowd were on their feet watching, terrified, as the Weasleys flew up to try and pull Harry onto safety on one of their brooms, but it was no good. Every time they got near the every time they got near him, the broom would jump higher still. Obviously they oh no, they dropped lower and lower and circled beneath him, obviously hoping to catch him if he fell. Marcus Flint seized the quaffle and scored five times without anyone noticing. Come on, Hermione Ron muttered desperately. Um, Hermione had fought her way across the stand, where Snape now stood and was now racing along the row behind him. He did, she didn't even stop to say sorry as she knocked Professor Quirrell head first into the row in front. Reaching Snape, she, crouched, she crouched down, pulled out her wand and whispered a few ch well-chosen words. B bright blue flames shot out of her wand at the onto the hem of Snape's robes. It took perhaps nearly 30 seconds. Um, give me a second. Um, it took Snape perhaps 30 seconds to realize Snape, um, Snape to realize he was on fire. A sudden yelp told her she had done her job. Scooping the fire off him into a little jar in her pocket, she scrambled back along the row. Snape would have never known what had happened. It was enough. Back in the air, Harry was suddenly able to clamber back on his broom. Neville, you can look now, said Ron, Ron said. Um, Neville had been sobbing into Hagrid's jacket for the last five minutes. When Harry was speeding towards the ground, his, his, when the crowd saw him clap his hand to his mouth, as though he was about to be sick, he hit the pitch on all fours, coughed, then something fell into his hand. I've got the snitch, he shouted, waving it above his head and the game ended in a complete confusion. He didn't catch it. He nearly swallowed it. Flint was still howling 20 minutes after, but it made no difference. Harry hadn't broken any rules, and Lee Jordan was still happily shouting the result. Gryffindor had won 170 points to 60. Harry heard none of this, though. Um, as uh, Though, as he was back... Um, as he was made, as he was, as he was being made a cup of strong tea back in Hagrid's hut with Ron and Hermione. It was Snape, said Ron, explaining. Hermione and I saw him. He was cursing your broomstick, muttering. He wouldn't take his eyes off you. Rubbish, said Hagrid, who wouldn't, who hadn't, who hadn't heard a word of what had gone on next to him in the stands. Why would Snape do something like that? Harry, Ron, and Hermione looked at each other, wondering whether to tell him. 
Harry decided on the truth. I found something out about him, he told Hagrid. He tried to get past that three-headed dog at Halloween. It bit him. We think, um, we think he was trying to steal whatever it's guarding. Hagrid dropped the teapot. How do you know about Fluffy, he said. Fluffy? Yeah, he's mine. Bought him off a, a Greek chappy I met in the pub last year. I lent him to Dumbledore to guard the... Yes, said Hagrid eagerly. I'm um, Harry eagerly. Now, don't ask me any more, said Hagrid gruffly. That's top secret, that is. But Snape's trying to steal it. Rubbish, said Hagrid again. Snape's a Hogwarts teacher. He'd do nothing of the sort. So why did he just try and kill Harry? cried Hermione. The afternoon's events had certainly seemed to have changed her mind about Snape. I know a jinx when I see one, Hagrid. I've read a lot about them. You've got to keep eye contact and Snape wasn't blinking at all. I saw him. I'm telling you, you're wrong, said Hagrid hotly. I don't know why Harry's broom acted like that, but Snape wouldn't try and kill a student. Now, listen to me, all three of you. You're meddling in things that don't concern you. It's dangerous. You forget that dog and you forget what it's guarding. That's between Professor Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. Aha, said Harry. So there is someone called Nicholas Flamel involved, is, isn't there? Hagrid looked furious with himself.